When I look in the mirror, I don't see wrinkles. When I look in the mirror, I see hair on my head, not my shoulder. And hello, hello, hello. This is Generation Bold, and this is Adrian Berg, and it is about the fountain of truth about aging. And today we're going to look at something that has to do with how we actually define aging, what it might be like in the future, because we have somebody that is making a difference to that. Starting right now, and not only for folks who are our age, but even more important for our younger generations, our children, our grandchildren. His name is Dr. John Demos, and he is the CEO of Fountain Therapeutics. Now, Fountain Therapeutics is doing something very different than you might think. If you're thinking about drugs, if you're thinking about cures, if you're thinking about the diseases of aging, they're actually using artificial intelligence. They're looking at at us at the cellular level, and they're seeing really what protocols, what interventions can be used with regard to today's diseases of aging. And a little later in the show, I'm going to talk about how much these diseases of aging actually cost us and why this is so important to tackle right now at this time in history. So, Dr. Demos, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. So let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, You know, this is a show that's going on about four or five years already, and we've had many, many companies talk about what they are doing. But Fountain Therapeutics is, is, is one apart. And I'd like you to try to explain this to our audience. What is difference? What's the differentiator here between how you're approaching all of this and how it has usually been approached? Because that's the real breakthrough. Yeah, so I think there, there are two different ways we're approaching things. First, we are a biotech company looking to develop therapeutics. So in that sense, we are very traditional. But two things set us apart. The first is that we are looking specifically right now to find new therapeutics that tackle aging as a mechanism to treat disease. That's a little different. The second way that we're going about this, which is a little different from how many other companies have have tackled these sorts of drug discovery problems, is that we're heavily reliant on using artificial intelligence tools to help us analyze very large data sets that we wouldn't be able to analyze otherwise. Where with that kind of computational power, we're able to take what I call a hypothesis-free approach to find things that regulate aging, no matter how they might work or no matter what part of aging it is, those therapeutics might regulate. So let me set the stage for everybody. And they've heard this before, but I think it's very important because we're not just talking about therapeutics. We're not just talking about science. We're actually talking about a philosophy here. Our national philosophy has been to look at diseases many of them the diseases of aging, and trying to cure them. I always say that the U.S. is a great place to be sick. It's a terrible place to (laughs) stay healthy. It it is. It really is. Because we're we're very cure-oriented. And this is different. This is a philosophy that aging has many causes that can be looked at and analyzed. And if you do that, then you're curing or preventing the diseases. Could you explain that philosophy a little bit? Because you've been involved with many successful companies and it brought you to this idea. What's been your thought journey in looking at cellular health, let's say, and aging this way? Yeah, Fountain Therapeutics was started by Stanford professor Tom Rando, who 10, 15 years ago uh, published the, the seminal study looking at so-called 
heterochronic parabiosis. He showed that plasma and plasma fractions from young mice could rejuvenate, reverse the aging of an old mouse. So that's really the foundation of, he is the founder of the company. That's very much the foundation of our approach and our philosophy. And yeah. we believe that aging drives many diseases. If aging is driving a disease, we could intervene therapeutically in those aging processes to find new therapeutics that slow or even reverse aging as a novel way of tackling different diseases, either as a treatment or as a preventative, exactly like you just said. Yeah. Now, I'm going to get a little controversial. I had the privilege of going over to um, uh, a, a near Barzilli duct, a near Barzilli's lab and um, at, over at Einstein. And I saw mice. I saw mice, young mice and older mice actually transferring blood to each other. And some of the things that you're talking about, and they did get rejuvenated. They did mm -hmm. actually get younger. This was not science fiction. So there's a question here, and this is the controversial philosophical question. Should we call aging a disease? If we call it a disease, we get funded. Some of the things you're talking about, <laughs> if if we because we that's the way we are here. The FDA funds diseases; they don't fund cures for aging. Uh, yes. What's the do you have a position? Do you have a thought? Does it keep you up at night? Because it keeps me up at night, and I write about it an awful lot. <laughs> it, it's certainly something we discuss quite a bit at Fountain. It's the subject of our water cooler and our happy hour conversations uh, weekly. Uh, aging right now is not looked at as disease. Perhaps it should be. Perhaps parts of aging should be looked at as a disease. If we, we, we look at the evolution of how we thought about diseases you know, historically over the past century or two, when there's no treatment for something, we consider it normal. And once there's a treatment for it, we then consider it a disease. Right. So perhaps aging will go also in that same direction. You know, I, uh, I do a lot of speaking and I usually start, I'm 72 and some parts of me are still good. <laughs> and the reason the reason I say this is what I've learned from you guys, Dr. Demos, is that not only do we all age differently, even though we may have the same chronologic age, but parts of our body age differently. So when you're looking at the cells, you are looking at the cellular structure of, of what? Our organs, our gut, the entire body. What's the focus that Fountain Therapeutics has at the moment? Mm -hmm. So the, the cell itself is really the, the smallest undividable unit of biology. It's where, where all of our organs get their function from. We're all organized down to the cellular level. So we view cells as being an integrator of all the different molecular processes, whether they're genetic, protein-based, the integrator of all those different processes. So we're looking at the cellular level as a way to capture everything that's going on at the molecular genetic protein level. And we're looking at cells for many different types of organs to make sure that we're casting a very broad net because different parts of the body, as you just um, very well said, can age differently. Now, you know, one of the things that we don't have in this country, and, and I don't want to bash us because I don't know if any country has it, is a language of aging. One of the reasons that we're all around the water cooler worrying about this is that we have so much ageism we don't want to make anything worse. We really don't have words. But when we come back, there is a word that I would like to, to delve into, and that is senescence. Uh, it's a word I think people have to know. It has to do with the cells. And we've talked a lot on this show about telomeres, 
uh, we, we call it, you know, may your, instead of saying, may the force be with you, we say, may your telomeres be long. Now, for those, <laughs> for those of you who don't know what this is, these are important things to know because we're talking about the cutting edge of scientific uh, geroscience. Again, something that most of us don't know much about. And that's why I'm very proud of the show because it can bring people like Dr. Demos to you front and center, CEO of Fountain Therapeutics. Now, I do want to go before we end our segment, I want to tell you that you're going to want more information. And a lot of this will be uh, new to many of the listeners. So please do go to the website for Fountain Therapeutics. It's fountaintx.com, fountaintx.com, very simple. And here and there, you will not only get to know what they do, but added news reports and things that are really uh, happening as we speak, because this is a look in a different way to the future of our aging. At the end of the day, the end of the day, what the goal is for Fountain Therapeutics and the people who work there, myself, and I hope you, is not that we are just old longer, but that we are healthier longer, and that is available to everybody. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back. Full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the fountain of truth, the fountain of truth about aging. But what are we doing today? We are redefining and relooking at aging itself. I don't know in the next two years or so. If we need to have a fountain of truth about aging, our purpose is to have you all know what the truth is, and it doesn't have to be revealed. Uh, I also want to introduce you to a conference. It's a free conference. It's called Targeting Metabesity 2020. It goes from October 12th through the 15th. No, you don't have to sit there for four days. Uh, if you go to the website, metabesity2020.com, you can free, for free, you can become one of the 500 people now that have registered. And you'll get a schedule. You'll choose your own schedule. And you can go in and out of some really fascinating discussions, roundtables, town halls on aging, including some of the things that you're interested in for your own daily life. Because we do have a panel on exercise, nutrition, loneliness, life purpose, and so on, as well as some of the geroscience uh, looks that we're doing right now on this show with uh, Dr. Uh, John Demos. He is the CEO of Fountain Therapeutics. You can learn more at fountaintx.com. Now, Dr. Demos, this is what I want to ask you about. Uh, I know you're going to help us define senescence, which does have to do with the cells. As you explained, Fountain Therapeutics is so involved with cellular health and cellular uh, discovery and telomeres. But part of that discussion I would like to ask you after you helped us understand what it is, why a few years ago we were told that telomeres is all the rage and there were even supplements we should take to keep our telomeres healthy. And now all of a sudden some of the geroscientists say, well, it's not that important to how long you live. 
it, there is a fashion here, and we have to be careful about it as consumers. What we fall a victim to uh, that hasn't really been proved, and you know how much of a, of a, a jaundice eye we should put on some of these discoveries. But let's start first. Explain the definition of senescence, how it relates to cell, cells, and perhaps what how it relates to found therapeutics, and also this idea of telomeres. Mm-hmm. So let's start with, with senescent cells. So senescence is a very normal process in the body. There are some benefits to it. There are a lot of drawbacks to it, especially with respect to aging, where a cell through for any number of reasons, might start to dysfunction or might otherwise not be necessary, it goes into um, what the field has now started calling a a zombie state, where the cell exists, it is still active in some ways, it it does secrete factors into the the surrounding area, into the bloodstream. Those factors tend to be a little bit pro-inflammatory, which especially in the context of aging can have a lot of negative consequences. So in, for some parts, for some processes, uh, wound healing is, is a good example. We do need some level of senescent cells, but too many of them, or if they're in the wrong place, can lead to a lot of dysfunction, a, a lot of aging-related damage, and give rise to different diseases. Now, next definition is telomeres. And so telomeres are the molecular cap at the end of our chromosomes. When our cells divide, we have to copy our DNA. DNA exists as the so-called double helix. The double helix has to be separated into two pieces, and then the two pieces are then copied, so you have two new double helices. During that process, during that molecular process, the tips, the the very ends of the chromosomes, aren't replicated um, fully. They're, They're lost a little bit. So without telomerase, the enzyme that gives you telomeres, that cap is slowly degraded over time as cells divide and grow. So in, so in I... principle, that... <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say, in principle, that can lead to genetic damage over time as genes that might sit towards the end of the chromosomes might also become affected by that process if the telomeres aren't there to protect them. Now, I, actually, I have been expl- it's been explained to me, and I can get the visual on this. That's like a shoelace. If you have a shoelace and you still have the tips on your shoelace, which I I, I question whether my sneakers have them, but you know the the tips on them, uh, and that's that gets shortened. And as it gets shortened, it's not a good thing. And it's supposed to be a terrible thing for aging. So everybody was very excited. There was even books written I have in my library, how to keep your telomeres long. And of course, people capitalized on that with sub- supplements some of them very expensive, uh, for telomere health. And recently, it's not a big deal. So my question to you is not so much about telomeres. It's as you discover these things, do we need long clinical trials to let us know that things are important as opposed to a fad? Or does AI, with Fountain Therapeutics focus on AI, help us make better judgments faster? It's a very complicated question. And I think both both those alternatives are true. And I don't I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I do think we need long clinical trials. We always have good hypotheses. We always have good models. And those models assume that we know how things work. And that's only true to a certain degree. Until we really test something in a 
randomized clinical trial and really show benefit? We don't know. We, we think we know. And for all of those good intentions, we, we sometimes get it, frequently get it wrong. Where AI, at least for Fountain, comes into play is that we are discovering potential novel therapeutics without having these hypotheses first. So you brought up telomeres, you brought up senescent cells, a lot of activity in both of those um, spaces, those hypotheses of aging, and a lot of activity in a, in a lot of other similar areas of aging, for example, mitochondrial dysfunction, dysfunction and protein turnover, uh, what have you. There, there, there are many of these so-called hallmarks of aging, hypotheses that drive aging. With the data-heavy AI approach that we take, we don't have a hypothesis first. The hypothesis, frankly, is that we're not smart enough to have a hypothesis. We look at the entire cell and we let the cell tell us what we could use to reverse or slow the aging of that cell, regardless of whether it's telomeres, senescence, mitochondria, or a hundred other things we haven't even been able to think about yet. So let me again bring this down to an example that everybody can understand. Uh, although I'm a lawyer, my, my uh, business has been for many years in the field of marketing. And one of the very simple questions is, when should you send out an email? When will people read an email? Now, we don't say, oh, we think it's Tuesday, and then go test to see if it's Tuesday. What we do is we look at when people open the email. And if it happens to be Tuesday, we say it's Tuesday. So there's no hypothesis here. We're just looking to see what people do. Am I kind of getting it that you go in and you look at what cells do and get the data with AI and the conclusions come from that before the hypothesis? You say, oh, look at that. This is what's been going on with millions of cells because we can do the data crunching because of AI and come to a conclusion from the data as opposed to test a hypothesis? Yes, you, you have that exactly right. So to give you a, a little bit more detail about that, what we've done at Fountain over the last couple of years is to very carefully take cells, both from animals, from mice, and from people of many different ages, from super young to super old. We take these cells, again, from the mouse or from the animal, with very sophisticated reproducible protocols, put them in the laboratory for a very short amount of time, and then image them. We, we take pictures of them with a microscope. And we do this over and over and over again. We've now built up a data set of many billions of these pictures. It's way too much data for a person to, to even look at in a lifetime, let alone analyze. We feed that into our AI systems, and the AI systems finds patterns. And it says, well, as these cells age, this seems to be what happens. When these cells age, this seems to be what happens. The computer doesn't have a hypothesis other than to know to find a pattern that corresponds with aging. Well, this is fascinating. When we come back. I want to talk about the place of what you're doing and Fountain Therapeutics in the whole process of getting research to public health. In other words, delivering it to the door of the consumer, our listeners, and, uh, and really what that, that pipeline is. We'll be back to discuss the reality of these kinds of research in just a moment. Don't you go anywhere. Full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da. 
And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the Fountain of Truth. Now, a little bit of housekeeping here uh, in this part of the show. You know that I write a weekly blog. It's called Aging for Beginners. You'll find it at Bottom Line Personal. I'm actually taking a little hiatus on this one because of several conferences I'll tell you about in a minute. But uh, we did publish every week for several years now. And this week is a very important one. I happen to have been in California last month and I happen to have to, have to uh, I'll say flee, but that's kind of dramatic. I had to leave because of the fires. Let's put it that way. Uh, we thought we were going to have a great family vacation and one of my relatives with asthma just couldn't take the black skies and we left. So I did do a blog for you on preparedness and readiness with regard to fire, emergencies, even pandemics. And it's been uh, an eye-opener for me of how ill-prepared we really were going to a place where we knew that there were fires. So imagine if it's a surprise. So please take a look at the blog, uh, and you will always be able to find that on Bottom Line Personal. The other is we have three conferences coming up. Targeting Metabesity 2020, October 12th through 15th. We also have IDOP, the International Day of Older Persons with the United Nations. That's October 1st. And we are the pre-conference on October 27th for the Gerontological Society of America. So I'm juggling three virtual conferences, all of which were supposed to be live. So shoot me. But, <laughs> but aside from that, I have nothing to do. So... Right now, if you want me to answer your questions, don't forget to go to adrianberg.com and answer the questions in contact Adrian. Now we are fit. That is the presentation portion of our show. Now let's get to the meat of the show with Dr. John Demos, who is the CEO of Fountain Therapeutics. So, so Dr. Demos, this is what I learned, and this was a big eye opener for me, I have to say. Uh, the translation, that's what it's called the translation of scientific discoveries or advancements into public health through the FDA, uh, the, Federal, uh, the Federal Drug Administration that, that has regulatory oversight over drugs, but not just drugs, devices, digital health, other protocols, and so on. Now, you, Fountain Therapeutics is doing very important things, but it is one part of a system, actually a process of getting your knowledge, what the computers and AI are telling you to make sense out of it and to get it into protocols or therapeutic interventions for us. How, how does it work? You have gotten your AI, you've gotten your intelligence, you know what's going on with cellular health better than others. What happens after that? And how long does it take to transfer or translate some of what your findings are to something concrete in the real world? I mean, it, it sounds like a, an easy question, but it's probably not. <laughs> it's, it's not an easy question. It does take a lot of time. It does take a lot of money. The standards are high. The FDA and, and other, other medical authorities uh, worldwide have a very high standards, and, and rightfully so, to make sure therapeutics or, or devices or diagnostics actually work and provide benefit to patients. So the Fountain Therapeutics is a little bit further along than, than what I was saying before. We have developed this platform. We've also put it to work, and we have come up with a couple, a handful of what we think could be potential therapeutics. 
we're working very hard right now testing those molecules in animal studies and we'll have those data around the turn of the year if those animal studies are positive and we have at this point every confidence that they will be we'll move forward on more of a traditional um, pre so-called preclinical drug development path to get them worked up to have the data available to get them to the fda to start a, an early stage, a so-called phase one clinical trial in a disease of aging. Now, one of the things I also learned, and this is something I want the public to know, because if, if I say to the public, how does somebody make a car? Uh, even although they never went to a factory, they, they'll tell me, they, they can tell you a few things. How was a car? But if I say to somebody, how do they make a drug? They look at you. Uh, it's not it's not something we, we we get intuitively. So you're going to go through the first trial, and there are several trials. I understand that eventually there's a, you try things on humans. Would that be all under Fountain Therapeutics, or would that be handed off to another type of company, a pharma company? How would that go? So it could go either way. Our current investors and, and, and the current plan for the company is that we do as much of it as we possibly can, quite likely all of it, ourselves as Fountain Therapeutics. So again, we, we're talking about the time that it takes to go through. And now this is a, uh, an interesting question. In any of the things that you're doing, we have already discovered because of this pandemic, which is really the big news of the year, that older adults and people with comorbidities are very vulnerable to it more than anyone else. And this has caused thousands and thousands of deaths. The idea that we can strengthen ourselves and age better seems to me to be where we should be focused. Again, I'm going to, uh, there's so many geroscientists uh, at our conference, but I'm going to, I'm going to quote the same one who, who, uh, has said this many times, Dr. Nir Barzillai. He said, why not th strengthen the host, meaning us, the older adult? So is what you're finding eventually going to be for everybody at any age, or does it have to be disease-related, or is it specifically for people over a certain age? Mm -hmm. Wonderful question. In the beginning, our therapies will be for individuals with certain diseases that that's simply the way the medical system is set up right now, that that's the, the game in which we're playing. The FDA isn't going to allow a drug for aging. Um, so in the beginning, absolutely, our, our therapeutics will be for particular patients with, with certain diseases. But our, our, our thinking and our hope is that over time, that situation is going to change and we'll be able to help change it. And over time, Perhaps it is it does become feasible from a regulatory perspective and a commercial perspective to get out there what, what could like could look like a preventative for aging um, or at least many of the consequences of aging. And and let's keep you know the, the issue of ageism, saying that ageism is a disease. I mean, it's the last thing that we want to say. But being seventy two, I think I'm allowed to talk about aging indifferently than somebody who's thirty five. And I can say that if it's going to give me more years of healthy life, call it whatever you want, <laughs> I'm in. So, and I mm -hmm. think that's true. That's true of most of the folks who who are beginning to understand that we're at a tipping point here of aging. 
at the beginning, it was just a matter of living longer. And we could brag. We could say that in 1900, the average age was 47. Uh, now it's not even reversed. It's a lot more than 74. It's well into the 80s and 90s. And, and I heard somebody, um, uh, one of my favorite actresses, Mrs. Peel, uh, who played Mrs. Peel. She passed away at age 86. And someone said, hmm, she could have lived a little longer. <laughs> so young. Now, we never would have said that. So I'm hoping that we begin to look at aging as something that can be uh, not cured, but that the frailties of aging can be delayed. And we don't have to say that we have Alzheimer's or we have cancer to get the right drugs or treatment. I'm going to finish up in the next 16 seconds with something I promised the audience. I wanted to tell you how much this costs us. I want you to know that our healthcare budget in the United States is 18% of our GNP. And our GNP is very big. We spend more money uh, than any other country in the world on our healthcare. And we're only about in the middle at best, in preventing uh, aging, living longer, and living healthy. So Singapore, for example, the folks there live about five years longer than we do on average, and those five years are healthy years. So this is what can happen if we look at the decline of aging rather than specific diseases. Don't you go anywhere, because this can change the world. We'll be right back. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth, the Fountain of Truth about aging. Now, I want to bring you into another world. I want you to understand that we are not talking about how you alone age, but how your children will age, how your grandchildren will age, how your dynasty will age, and also how people all over the world age. I told you that I'm working on a few conferences, and uh, you'll see it all because you know that if you go to generationboldradio.com and give my your email address to me, you will get invitations to all of these conferences. And for you guys, it's always free. This week, I invited my newsletter subscribers to the International Day of Older Persons, which is a United Nations and WHO event. And this year, the, they have made this the moonshot for healthy longevity for all worldwide. Now, by coincidence, I'm on the communications committee of both conferences, so maybe it's not a, such a coincidence. Our Metabesity Conference is also taking the moonshot for a healthy aging for all in the next 10 years. The UK has a policy. They actually have an all-party committee on healthy longevity. It's a national policy. So does Singapore, so do a few other countries. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the possibility of stopping, not death, not immortality, not pie-in-the-sky science fiction, but actually delaying or preventing disease, diseases of aging so we age but we age healthfully. And this changes everything, how we work, uh, how, how many kids we have, how much money we need, and so on. It's a, it's a big deal. But I'm going to throw this to our 
esteemed guest, Dr. Demos, CEO of Fountain Therapeutics, who's not just sitting there thinking about cells and AI, but thinking about the effect of his success. So I'm very worried about something, this worldwide issue of healthy longevity, and that is that not everybody's going to get it, that it's going to be there and it's going to be able to be bought. And you know, Dr. Demos, if somebody has a better car than someone else or a bigger house, that's one thing. But if somebody can buy more years to live, I think that's of a different ethical order. And I don't know if a company like yours thinks about it. During our break, you said you do. And I, I really would like to hear what you, what you have to say about this issue. Yeah, access to quality healthcare is, is an issue, particularly in the United States. We, we have patients in this country that, for example, ration their insulin, which is a very old drug, manufactured quite cheaply. The companies that make it certainly need to make a strong profit off of it. But I have a hard time justifying the fact that there are patients in this country that need to ration their insulin and sometimes die because of that rationing because they can't afford that life-saving medication. As medical science continues to develop, as Fountain Therapeutics, for example, gets its age-directed therapies in the market five to 10 years from now, I, I think those sorts of problems are only going to become magnified. And we as a society, as a political system, really need to address that. Yeah, I'm really very worried about it because, interestingly, in third world countries, which I work with a lot through the United Nations, they think about it a lot because they see themselves as, uh, you know, kind of, I will say, deprived when it comes to healthcare. They're, they're still working on sanitation and water and so on. So it's a big, big priority. For us, we don't realize that there are uh, medical have-nots. We do think that we all have medical equality here, and it isn't true. And it is something we have to look at. And as you say, I think that the, the smarter we get, the more we can do for ourselves, the more we have to understand that everybody should have access to it. Now, I did see something interesting in, in, in your materials at Fountain uh, Therapeutics. And w one of the things it said was, well, we still need to, despite what we're doing, we still need to exercise and eat right. Does it still come down to that? Is that something that you have to remind us of? And if so, please remind us. <laughs> I, I think we're all well served being reminded of that. Certainly I am uh, frequently. Uh, there is a very strong connection between lifestyle, diet, and, 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 and exercise and healthy aging. I, I don't think even the best therapeutics are going to entirely change that. I think we always need to be mindful of our lifestyle choices and how it affects our, our health and well-being long term. And now we're going to finish up. We have a few minutes, but you look, uh, my original background as an attorney was in a field where people were simply very, very mega investors. And they were always interested in sectors, business sectors. They would analyze the business sectors. In my opinion, we have a business sector. And it's to me, I call it the longevity sector. It's probably a better name for it. But I think this is a new business sector. And you are an investor, uh, as well as somebody who creates businesses that other people can invest in. And I'm just wondering how you see this. Will we soon have mutual funds? Uh, there are some abroad where we can, as, just as, as a simple investor, put a few dollars into our IRA and invest in longevity. Where do you see that going? How, how democratized do you think investing in companies 
like yours and others will become? I think it's it's very much becoming a, a new space that's going to be very active. It's not just companies like Fountain Therapeutics developing therapeutic interventions for aging, but assuming success in our effort and, and many others that are similarly directed towards healthy aging, it, it changes so much, as you said earlier, that there's incredible longevity risk. Insurance companies are going to, to work differently. How, how we how we save money, how we spend money is going to change. It has the ability to change our entire social system. So I think that is very much a burgeoning area that's only going to continue to, to grow as the field moves forward. And, and having been a financial gerontologist for a long time, I can tell you that companies like Merrill and all the names you know are looking, are really looking into this. And you may chuckle at this. With the Metabesity Conference that I'm I'm directing, they um, have always, this is the third year, and most of the attendees are geroscientists or doctors or somebody associated with medicine and, and research in some way. So they, they said to me, because I'm not in that field, who do you think really would benefit from this conference? And just what you said, Dr. Demos, I said actuaries. The people whose lives are going to be changed more than anybody else is the actuaries. They have to figure out what risk they're taking in a world where people live much, much longer, much healthier. Uh, our, our annuities, the way we have our retirement pension plans have to be looked at, as well as, of course, life insurance, just basic life insurance, and as you said, health insurance. So. Uh, we have a minute left. I want to make sure everybody knows that they can go to fountaintx.com. And if they do that and they read some of the uh, articles that are added to the website from time to time, they'll stay at the cutting edge of what's going on here. And I want to thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Demos. My pleasure, Adrian. Thank you for having me. And for everybody else, I know that I generally want you to get out and contribute and volunteer. And you may be saying, well, look, we still have some sequestration. I'm still scared of what could happen uh, with COVID. Uh, take a look at uh, volunteermatch.com. I'm always reminded of it because I was looking at the possibility of helping foster kids this week and discovered that Volunteer Match is looking for people who are interested in that. I personally work with kids who've lost their parents early in life, as I did. And I found that through volunteermatch.com. So many of these um, abilities to get out there and contribute to the world, you can do from your home. It's not only working that we are now doing from our living room or our bedroom and our bunny slippers, but it's meeting each other, having birthday parties, and also volunteering. So I'll say this to you as I always do. Get out there, kids, and make it happen. I'm inappropriate.